Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hello, this is The Review, a podcast from the Atlantic's culture team about movies, television, and all the things we make to entertain ourselves. I'm Spencer Kornhaber, a staff writer at The Atlantic. I'm joined today by two other staff writers on our culture team, David Sims. Hello. And Sophie Gilbert. Hi, Spencer. Hi, David. Hey. How are you both doing? I'm sick. You're sick? You're sick? Mm -hmm. Sick of what? Oh, no. Well, not (laughs) the COVID. Um, Yes. (laughs) Sick of you. No. (laughs) Just lightly sick. Sick of your attitude. (laughs) No, I have a cold. It's fine. Well, we'll be a little nicer to you today for that reason. Please do. Uh, nope. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Today we're talking about West Side Story. The classic 1961 film based on a classic Leonard Bernstein musical has been remade by none other than Steven Spielberg last year. It's nominated for seven Oscars, and it's one of the last big films up for Best Picture that we haven't discussed on the pod. We haven't had our knockdown, drag out fight about it yet, but we're about to. Um, the reception to it hasn't been quite what many people in Hollywood expected. Some people love this movie, and some people didn't see this movie. Uh, so <laughs> we thought we'd break it down a bit. Um, David, can you explain why we have a West Side Story remake in 2021? Sure. That's actually a fair question, because musicals in Hollywood don't often get remade, right? There's There's just so few musicals these days. So obviously, this is West Side Story. It's probably the most well-known musical right like sort of classic musical maybe Mm -hmm. but certainly on the you know high end of that list it's this and cats well one day we'll have another cats i'm sure someone will take a swing (laughs) at it in fact steven spielberg considered making cats long ago but he wanted to do it animated and andrew lidweber didn't like that but uh (laughs) the end of the day might have been a good idea considering what eventually happened yeah i want to live in that reality Uh, I would say there's two reasons. One is that Steven Spielberg has never made a movie musical, and he seems to be in this sort of, I don't want to say twilight, but in this kind of, you know, he's hes an older guy. He's been making movies for 50 years, and he's maybe trying to knock some things off that he's never done before. So he wanted to make a musical, and he wanted to make West Side Story as his favorite musical. It was the It's a movie he talks about glowingly as like getting him into movies and all that stuff. Then the other reason is West Side Story, the original film, is, in my opinion, it's a masterpiece. It's a great film. It won Best Picture at the Oscars, but it's a bit of a tough watch today, Mm -hmm. especially in high definition. Like, it's really tough to see this great film that you're, you know, is is so iconically put together with people who are very obviously wearing brown face, like wearing, you know, thick makeup to look Latino. And they are mm-hmm. not, you know, like, so, so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, of course it's a classic, but yes, one could argue also for an update 
Right. It's a bit of a passion project, but it's also like someone had to remake this at some point to fix that brown face problem. Possibly, right? I mean, maybe not had to, but certainly there's an argument. Well, Sophie, you are a connoisseur of the musical as an art form. What did you think of it? Oh, boy. Um, I am conflicted because, uh, like David, I love the original while really, really finding aspects of it uh, impossible to, not impossible, but they're very, very hard to take in in this moment. And I have to say there were things about this remake that, I loved particularly the the dance sequences, the musical numbers. Um, like I, I think Spielberg is so good at what he does, and he really. I mean, David can talk more about the artistry of the the scenes, but they're just spectacular. And this was, a, I think, a movie where I really wished I'd seen it in the theater instead of at home yes. on my TV. Because I think it would, I think it would have made a, even more of a difference. But at the same time. I had some issues with this movie and they mostly revolve around the central love story. Um, and obviously Sondheim, Stephen Sondheim wrote the lyrics for West Side Story and, and his impression of it was always that it wasn't supposed to be a kind of piece of sociological realism. It was a love story and more than anything, it's a love story to theatre and what theatre can do. It can kind of sweep you up in this in this great collaboration of dance and music and storytelling and um, sort of really pull you in with that. And and yet in, in remaking the movie, um, I think for relatively obvious reasons, Tony Kushner, who, who wrote the script, decided to sort of enhance the the sort of realism aspects of it and to get really at the heart of the gentrification of the West side and the, you know, the different gangs and the socioeconomic reasons behind their discontent and their rumbling and their um, sort of wanting to fight each other, I suppose. Um, But for me, what was lost was the love story. Hmm. Well, so like what Spielberg's doing is, is really pulling out from, the story, which was pretty self-contained and stylized take on a real world situation. The original movie was a series of music videos, really, like kind of dreamy. It's very abstract. Abstract, absolutely. Yeah. Right. It's not set in a definable yeah. place. Yeah. Obviously it's the West Side, you know, and it has that opening sequence. The the movie the original has the opening sequence that's shot on location, but almost everything else is sound stages. Like it's very obviously just you know film studios yeah and so spielberg wants to pull out and be like no this is actually a story taking place at a particular time and yeah there's social commentary to be brought out from it and a sense of realism to be inserted and like a sense of scope and scale that wasn't in the original like he really wants you to feel like you're in this giant neighborhood of manhattan that's been decimated by gentrification but in doing that he's like roaming all over the place and and the sense of like these kind of gem-like musical numbers get kind of like lost that that gem-like dreamy quality and and searching for like creating the sense of scope and scale while the ambitions of sort of reforming the movie quote unquote i know that's not an ideal word but like (laughs) making it less problematic or, or giving you know its puerto rican characters greater depth and visibility on screen and more historical context and more accuracy in the t- in the telling of their stories it, like those are really great ambitions to have it's just it's a very tricky existing product to kind of expand <laughs> those mm-hmm. like 
those sociological parts of it because again it's not what the story was supposed to do i mean there's a whole number in it officer krupke is all about like making fun of those kinds of like uh, those kinds of readings of of characters if that makes sense um like i think sondheim said they serve to remind the audience that this is entertainment not a social treatise and so if you try to make it more of a social treatise which i think is a is a definitely a positive like motive to have and a good motivation to have it just come it keeps butting up against what the musical was designed to do i mean i, I want to talk about the origins of it but because i find them so <laughs> like fascinating and funny like originally i think arthur lawrence wrote the book and Leonard Bernstein, who did the music, and Jerome Robbins, who directed the movie and did the choreography. Like, wasn't it originally supposed to be about New York Irish Catholics and New York mm-hmm. Jews in conflict, I think, at the week between Easter and Passover? Yes. It was going to be set on the Lower East Side. Yeah. Yeah. And then one day, like, Lawrence and Bernstein were hanging by the pool at the Beverly Hills Hotel, as you do. <laughs> and they were like, I think, like, someone read a news story about gangs in Los Angeles. And they were like, I know. <laughs> this is where we go with this one. Like, it was that much of a kind of pivot, right? Well, the other thing that no one remembers anymore, but there was a very popular movie at the time. Or, sorry, a show, not movie. Uh, called Abby's Irish Rose, which was about an Irish-Jewish romance, like a romance, a star-crossed. And they were like, oh, shit, it's just that. Like, we can't do that <laughs> because that's, that's We can't like, go up against done. Abby's Irish Rose. <laughs> but it was going, it was indeed going to be called East Side Story. And then somebody, yeah, was like, wait a second. What if we, uh, what's over on the West Side, though? Let's check that out. Go 12 blocks that way. Um, <laughs> right. I think it was also Lorenz was like, I know a lot more about Puerto Rican people in Harlem and stuff than I do about, I think it was originally maybe going to be uh, Mexican and uh, whatever. Like, yes, it is It is funny how they were just sort of like swapping in and out different sub-communities. <laughs> just yeah. Right. Like, well, which, which matchup works here? And obviously, yeah, it's not an Irish gang or an Italian gang. or It's just a white gang. Which white guys. I think if you're going to do West Side Story in 2021, and I think this is what Tony Kushner was thinking very hard about, it's like, it's going to be uncomfortable and interesting and much more threatening to have a movie where your heroes or a lot of your main characters are in a white gang, like, that is trying to keep uh, non-white people out of a neighborhood that essentially has been declared blighted. Like, you know, that's what happened. That's the other thing that Kushner's hit on. Like, this turf they were fighting over had already been marked for clearance like was just like that's it we're building lincoln center on top of this everybody get out of here you know it was in the the days of new york city especially people just kind of circling various city blocks and being like everyone's got to move because the future's here baby like and i think that is a good way to in my opinion to update a musical like west side story without doing say what evil van hove did on broadway where he was really trying to consciously make it about today, like, you know, trying to, you know, mm-hmm. bring the story into the 21st century. Where it's like, that's not it, but it's just giving everything a little more context about the sort of tensions of the time without sacrificing the period, you know, the setting, like, you know, without, without letting go of the fact that this is the late fifties, early sixties. Well, the problem is like the story, the central love story is such a fantasy that if you bring in too many 
realistic elements beneath the surface like it all falls apart because suddenly i'm like you guys can't fall in love you don't have any money where are you gonna go this isn't gonna be a <laughs> what romance. are your plans you're here? gonna hate each other in five years when maria has five kids and like you but have that no was job. always yeah okay, okay yeah yeah but you're saying Do you know what i mean yeah, oh, 100%. It, just, it takes me out of the fantasy. Whereas, you know, in, there's something about the original musical where I see that as wooden as they may be, you see them, you really do buy that they could have this kind of magical love that only happens in Hollywood movies from the 50s and 60s. But, um, I mean, you see these two people, they meet for a second at a dance and then it's supposed to be the greatest love that has ever happened ever ever and you're supposed to buy that they are completely consumed with each other to the point that when he spoiler murders her brother she's like it's fine we're still in love <laughs> um, and I just did not feel that with this pairing I thought Rachel Zegler was so fantastic but mm. in the scene in the gym where they meet each other Ansel Elgort who plays Tony looks like he's looking at a train timetable and just everything about the <laughs> changes to that scene sort of threw a, a real wrench in it for me and after that I just I couldn't believe in the love story and without that I think the musical falls apart I think a lot of conversations about this movie do start with Ansel being sort of a dead fish on screen it just to me like he's distractingly bad like he is he really <laughs> I think poisons the well um, with with just like this kind of like thudding impersonation he's giving of I don't know like Marlon Brando or something like yeah a little brando he, you right, know soft boy it, Brando yeah He's just completely doing that thing of um, it, he seems like he's thinking about his role rather than just like embodying it. And uh, it just hurts to watch. It's just a lot more banal, like the romance in, in this movie, like in the scene where, when they meet, I think in the original, her first line is like, you're not thinking I'm somebody else as if she she sort of senses the connection between them and she he feels it too and she at first assumes it's like very, it's beautiful it's like he yeah. she assumes that he knows her because it feels suddenly like they know each other at this very primal level um, and then the first line in the remake version is I like it a lot dancing with you or it's like <laughs> it's funny I wasn't planning on showing up tonight and you're like okay cool guy you're not thinking I'm someone else I know you are not. Funny, I wasn't planning on showing up tonight. You don't like dancing? No. I mean, yeah. It's just a lot more quotidian, and I'm, I think I was really longing for this moment of, like, phantasmagorical mm. souls meeting in the yeah. moonlight, and See, it just I didn't get, happen. I get all that in the visuals not not some you know their performances i think i mean i think she's very luminous i think rachel Ziegler's great she's he's, gorgeous she is wonderful he's fine she's she's just like <laughs> it's just kind of instant star shit with her um <laughs> where where you're just kind of the second you see her on screen you're like oh i'm rooting for this person right you know you're just yeah she hasn't even said a word yet and i'm like oh i'm on this person's side she's so charming spielberg found her on twitter is that right no that's i think a slightly boulderized you know she has gotten annoyed because she's like i auditioned like 1000 times it's not like okay. he saw one video of me. but i think there was maybe a youtube video she sent in of her singing uh -huh. tonight or somewhere or what you know what of the song but um he has said that she auditioned right like very early in his like casting process and that like every other maria he saw he was just like eh, i think she was but you know like she never no one ever beat her but anyway um, she was obviously yeah. unknown. This is her first film role. Um, but no, like in the gym scene, maybe my favorite sequence in the movie, 
you know, it, it, Spielberg is is giving you the romance. It's it's the 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 lens flares and the the bodies moving and the way the camera is taking the space of the viewer and all that. Like that's where my blood's running. And obviously, Spielberg clearly reveres the movie musical. I mean, if I can, there's been more musicals of late. I would say like it had gone really dead, and then like you know, in the last decade, there there have been things like I mean. Cats, forget cats. You know, <laughs> La La Land. La La Land, uh, The Greatest Showman. You know, things that are good, things that are bad. You know, uh, things like Jersey Boys, the Mamma Mia movies, uh, Mary Poppins Returns, In the Heights last year, which was actually really good. Dear Evan Hansen last year, which was really bad. You know, there's, there's, <laughs> been, there's been a lot of swings at good musicals, I would say. And I like some of those movies, but they are horrifyingly directed they are so so poorly put together uh-huh. even someone like rob marshall who made chicago which was i would say a pretty strong movie musical and obviously he's someone with a background in choreography rob marshall made in in into the woods he made mary poppins returns and he stages these musical numbers where you have lots of people dancing and the camera is cutting constantly into the action. Like it is cutting to one person and then another. And I'm like, let me see people dancing, please. Like, stop cutting. Like, and Steven Spielberg, God bless him, holds on a wide and moves his camera around fluidly and like lets us actually see gorgeously choreographed musical numbers that transport your brain into a place of pure pleasure and bliss. And I wish more musicals would do that in film. I will agree uh. with that. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Another sequence I really love in this movie uh, that is very different from the original and from the stage production is how they do cool as a dance between huh. Riff and Tony. And they kind of emphasize the weird connection between those two characters, right? That's sort of like mm-hmm. they're going through a breakup. It's not just that Tony is like, you know, turning his back on the jets or whatever. It's like that his connection with Riff is being severed as he's growing closer to Maria and the way they're kind of like dancing and fighting at the same time. I think that's all really well done. Well, Cool was my favorite as a kid watching West Side Story. I mean, it's so good in the original, but the original version of it is great. Yeah. Absolutely. And and, th- and there were a number of uh, transmutations made in this movie with musical numbers where I was like, I, you know, I missed the original. But with Cool, I, I have to say, like, they went from one incredible staging of it to a different one. Um, and I thought that was a good example of, like, how to bring, like, the kind of darkness and violence of the story into the musical number where they're throwing the gun around, um, but they're not actually, like, beating each other up like they end up doing in the rumble. It's a very tense and scary scene, but it's still, like, a beautifully choreographed musical number. I want to get even. Get cool. I want to bust. Bust cool. I want to go. Go cool. Boy, boy, crazy boy. Get cool, boy. I want to be prepared in case they come prepared. So give me the gun, Tony. I mean it. Now. Boy, boy, crazy boy. Get cool, boy. I mean, I, I also think America is really, you know, I mean, that's sort of the the most invigorating number 
obviously in the show and they do that very well again you are up against perfection spielberg basically <laughs> says as, as much uh-huh. like, he's like the the sequence in the original is unbeatable like there's nothing better than that in movie musicals but i do like their take on it a lot as well you know bringing it out into the street and all that yeah you have the original and they're in a contained space they're just on that rooftop and it's just people interacting with each other and the camera kind of stays in one spot and that's what makes america so amazing in the original and this one they're like running over all over the streets like popping through fruit stands or whatever and to me that felt a little like very expected choices you would see in a recent movie musical like this this sense of like the camera is on a um a cherry picker or, or a crane a crane a crane uh, yeah it's really the <laughs> cranes doing a lot of work maybe a drone's in there too and to me that it, it, it felt that's where like the kind of feeling of uh losing that sort of self-contained quality comes in here you are free and you have pride as long as you stay on your own side I've never loved I Feel Pretty as a song, but I, I loved the staging of it here in the department store. Rachel Zegler's enthusiasm is so contagious and just her charm and her, it's just really beautifully done with the costumes and the fanciful nature of it. But I do have a problem with the placement of it because it comes right after you've seen these two characters brutally die. And this was the, I think it was not originally in the original movie. It was though it was in a slightly different, um, in the original movie, they moved it. it's been returned right. to its original place in the show. Yes, yes. But in the musical, if you saw this in the theater, there would be an intermission between you would have time to process mm. like mm. this horrible mm-hmm, scene mm-hmm. of violence. And then Maria's sweet, like loving excitement for her new well, romance. And now there's none of that. Suddenly it's just like it, this very drastic tonal shift. I found it, Really hard to take as much as I well, did love that it, scene. It's it's a strange number. Sondheim despises it, despised it. Sondheim is no longer with us. And Spielberg also was going to cut it um, because he had the exact same reaction you had, which was, how can you have this after the rumble? And mm-hmm. Kushner basically was like, I am putting my foot down. You absolutely have to be with Maria like in this like glimpse of happiness before mm. she finds out about her world crashing down with her or else she's just... A one-note tragic character. I mean, no, this is the problem. Like, if you don't have that song, there is no Maria. Like, there's there's yeah. very little to her. She just right. doesn't have the substance. And you need to understand why she's going to throw it all away, right? You know, you need a little right. more, right, for, you know, shading for her. I mean, you get that in the original with the placement of it earlier in the movie. You you get the interiority of her. Um, and I mean, that Son- Sondheim's anecdote about that song is that he felt bad because he didn't think the character would be... Um, singing words like witty right like he thought it, he was being a little too yeah. cute for the character that doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> like sometimes a little grump i love yeah. the man yeah. but you know <laughs> his whole thing with west side stories he's like eh, it's not realistic and it's like yeah steven you know but and he spends his whole career being like well i want to you know upend the kind of conventions of broadway and that's great and i love him to death and he's the greatest but at the same time it's funny that he's like yeah, I also wrote West Side Story, which is kind of corny. And it's like, yeah, it's the greatest corny musical ever written. So congratulations, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, Sophie, you've writ- you wrote um, 
a beautiful obituary for Stephen Sondheim. How does West Side Story fit into his pantheon? Well, it's interesting because it was one of his earliest gigs back when he was still like very much trying to make his name. And um, he always wanted to write his own music and lyrics. And so I think he felt that if he did West Side Story, he would be pigeonholed as just a lyricist. And he certainly was for a while. Like people were like, who do you don't think you can write music? Um, it's not a typically Sondheimian musical, I would say. Like there are elements where he really, he really comes out. Like I think about um, the song Maria when Tony sings... Sing it loud and there's music playing. Say it soft and it's almost like praying. Like that mm. line, I think, is, is really beautiful. Um, but yeah, I feel pretty. He didn't, he felt it was too twee, too charming. He didn't feel like Maria as a character, as you know, a teenage girl would be saying things like, it's alarming how charming I feel. Um, but I, I think. Whatever, Stephen. <laughs> I adore him. He's a big old grump. I know. Well, we we love him so much. Uh, He did actually. It surprised me because he's such a notorious grump. He he told Stephen Colbert that he really loved the 2021 West Side Story, which I was I was shocked by. He was there the whole time. I think I didn't think he would like it at all. But um, no, I think I think this was right. This was what he wanted. Is the vibe I get from this? This. I mean, I think so. Yeah. Fascinating. Apparently told Rachel Zegler right before she filmed I Feel Pretty, like, oh, I really dropped the ball on this song. It's no good. And she's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was also a, it's nice to have people who can sing, you know, uh, yeah. some comments like that, obviously referring to the fact that Natalie Wood was dubbed, as was Richard Bamer in the original. I, I do want to say, like, it, it's obvious that the creative team really did their work. Like, they really wanted mm-hmm. to do a mm-hmm. better job with, representation than the original um, right. the amount of team had done. Non-subtitled yeah. Spanish in the film is, is yeah. kind of impressive and, and invigorating, I think. How amazing that that works, right? It's yeah. fantastic. Well, you under, you understand also, what they're saying. You know, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. just, yeah. But at the same time, it's still a creative team exclusively made up of white men, mm-hmm. um, sure. which makes you see that things have actually not changed that much since 60 years ago. Like, when you think about the people with the power to shape the ways that stories are told, like the difference is that they're maybe listening harder and trying harder and with more effort to um, incorporate voices and experience that isn't their own. But at the same time that they're still, they're still sort of the same subset of guys, which is a little depressing. Yeah, it's completely true. Um, Well, what do you think of what they did with Rita Moreno? She sort of felt Shakespearean to me almost as a character, like the elder stateswoman who's there, almost like the maid, you know, less comic, but she's there to sort of opine on the way things are um, and also to support the characters um, of Tony and Maria. Um, But I thought it was, I mean, after her, she really is the best thing about the 1961 movie, like playing Anita. She's so, so good. (laughs) Uh, her dancing is just extraordinary in that film and she uh, she brings so much to the role um, she is the one who really I think makes Anita like the timeless character that, that she is and Ariana DeBose has, has sort of carried on that that lineage that tradition but it was it was not it was a nice note of like <laughs> sorry we put you in this horrible makeup all these years ago and you were still so amazing and carried this movie and now you can have this really great role to acknowledge like the underserved like fantasticness of you in Hollywood throughout this time. Cause she, you know, she hasn't had the roles that she's deserved in throughout her career either, but she's such an amazing performer. 
yeah she's the best uh, and she seems very invested in this film which is nice like you know she's been cheerleading for actors like david alvarez and ariana debose and rachel ziegler and all that like she's been you know on the press tours and there's lots of nice behind the scenes footage of them all that you can find good vibes from all these sort of broadway people essentially who are in this movie david do you think that this version of west side story will win oscars uh, it is hotly tipped to win Best Supporting Actress for Ariana DeBose, who's very good. Uh, she's and obviously, fantastic. Anita is a killer role, but she's she's really, really great. That seems to be the only spot where I think it's probably guaranteed a victory. But uh, I do think this movie, when it's screened for critics and stuff, and the raves were so big, there was this brief moment of like, oh, is this going to be like the new Oscar frontrunner? Because it's been a bit of a weird year where there's no you know juggernaut and then the film didn't do very well box office wise and there was sort of this backlash of like well steven didn't save cinema so <laughs> i guess it's a disappointment right like well you know why didn't this cause everyone to rush to the theater in the middle of the omicron wave or whatever and uh so it got seven nominations and i you know it was obviously voters like it but uh it does seem like it's going to be mostly and also ran when it comes to wins Right. It sort of like has this weird reputation now for like underperforming. And you you chalk that up to to the novel coronavirus, as you might say. That darn novel coronavirus. Because <laughs> obviously some movies did very well over Christmas, but films that were maybe aimed at a broader audience, more of an older audience, families, stuff like that underperformed it just kind of felt like you know the the game in town during the omicron wave was young people because they were you know felt more comfortable going to a theater but uh because it's spielberg and because it's west side story there was kind of the expectation of like Mm this will be it this will be the one that that makes everyone fall back in love with the the movie theaters and uh instead it kind of underperformed so does this mean that there'll never be another big movie musical again a good question i mean it's been a tough year on that regard or 2021 was a tough year because you had this underperform you had in the heights also kind of underperformed that had a lot of buzz in the summer and you know again just did a little worse than i think people expected ticket sales wise and then you had things like dear evan hansen that underperformed in every sense <laughs> uh and so maybe maybe you know hollywood is always you know, these trends come in bunches and then they'll sort mm. of fall off. So yeah, so maybe it'll be a few years. I mean, what do you think would make a successful movie musical right now? Does it have to start Hugh Jackman and be about P.T. Barnum? <laughs> I mean, that was the thing about The Greatest Showman. When that came out, everyone was like, well, this is a, you know, right? This is a calamity on delivery, right? You know, who no one wants to see an original P.T. Barnum musical, like, you know. And that film opened quite poorly and then became this kind of word of mouth sensation. So I guess that's why we have this glut now of Hollywood trying to capture that magic again. And uh, I, yeah, maybe, maybe Hugh could make another big musical. There's, there was this very popular, I don't know if you guys remember, it was sort of a hip hop musical about the founding fathers that sold some tickets on Broadway uh, called Hamilton. That, that I suppose could, could be translated to screen one day. I don't know. What happened after La La Land? Like that movie was such a cultural phenomenon. It felt like mm. at the time that I was sure that we would see waves of contemporary like movie original, musicals set in right, right. fantasy dreamland, Hollywood, Hollywood land. But um, but it never happened. 
happened. Yeah, it didn't quite happen, did it? I mean, like, La La Land was, was, was a, yeah, it was really tricky to pull it off. They made an original musical starring two very charming and famous actors who are not particularly strong singers or dancers. God bless them. I like the movie a lot, but, you know, you're not coming to the movie to hear Ryan Gosling sing. And uh, it was a it was a genuine hit. Like it was not just an Oscar hit. It was not just well received. It was it made like five hundred million dollars worldwide. Like it is. But I guess it's I guess it's just it's really tough to pull something like that off, right? Like it's just a lot to to chew. But uh, Hollywood will always take swings at making musicals because the potential like what's happening with Encanto right now, right? Obviously mm-hmm, it's an animated mm-hmm. musical, but like the potential of having the multiple streams of revenue, you know, having a hit soundtrack, having songs that, you know, take on a life of their own is, is obviously huge. Like, it feels like there's like a lot of potential there to make the like really like MTV eyes or whatever, like super contemporary audiovisual swirling crazy thing that like West Side Story must have felt like in 1961 um, that doesn't try to be a movie like it tries to be like a, like an overwhelming I, like I would say something like Moulin Rouge yeah but like, that, that would be like the that, other one I would right? mention That's yes like, yeah, 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 yeah yeah where it's like where it's it, this is not going to be going for evoking Broadway this is evoking yeah. this is yeah. this is a very heavy, very right visually overloaded like you know cinema experience and I love Moulin Rouge uh, personally, I don't know. How yeah, that was like twenty years ago. Now, it's twenty years ago. We're old. We're old as dirt. It's twenty-one of, years as sick actually. of that narrative. Yeah, yeah. what? That we're old. Yeah, sick of the passage of time. Doesn't Buzz Lemon have a new movie coming out this year? He sure does. It's about a little singer you might have heard of by the name of Elvis. You know that guy? <laughs> heard of him? Vulture had the best headline for the, um, the when the trailer dropped for that movie. Uh, Tom Hanks got COVID for this. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I love Boz Lerman and I, I, I'm always, um, I'll be front row center every 10 years when he decides to make a movie. When that trailer dropped and, 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 and hey, I love Tom Hanks, you know, I'm rooting for him too. But uh, Tom Hanks busting out that Dutch accent to play Tom Parker, I was like, I just... I don't know about this. Like, we might be in trouble for minute one. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's wrap today with a closing question. And my question for you, since we've talked about this very ambitious film adaptation of a musical, is what musical do you most want to see put on screen? I have an answer for this, mm-hmm. but it's it's a slight twist. Um, I want an adaptation of company, but I also am very happy mm. for it just to be the adaptation of company that was done in the public. <laughs> Wait, David, you know, this was it done for charity and it was for like a couple nights only and Neil Patrick Harris was in it and Stephen Colbert. Yeah. That wasn't at the public. It was at Lincoln center, but it was really center, good. Uh, and I did see it and love it. Now I'm only mad because that's my answer too. I, I had always dreamed hmm. of Hugh Jackman in a company film because Ooh. when he emerged as an uh, actor who was also, you know, capable of like Tony winning performances on Broadway, I was like, well here, this is your guy. Like he's the right age. He's the right sort of profile to do Robert. Like, and then it just never happened. And now I feel like Hugh Jackman's like a little too old, obviously, like to be, you know, the 40 year old. Turning who's, 30. Right. I mean, 30. Yeah. You know, like, so now I'm not sure who that like, because like for a mo- something like company, right. It's like you need some 
major star you can hitch it to, right? I guess mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Like Ooh. he's someone who's emerged as like a guy who can do Broadway. Probably like, he did a very good. No, he was fantastic. Sunday in the park. Yeah. Right. Sunday in the park. So, you know, maybe him, even he's getting a bit old, obviously. No, but, uh, I would watch know. that. That's, that's inspired casting. But I mostly I just, I, I want that version back on YouTube because there were so many times when I would feel the, sad and the I would Neil make Patrick myself Harris one. feel, yeah, I would make myself yeah. feel better by watching Stephen Colbert sing Sorry Grateful and someone Th- has removed all the videos and I don't have that in my life anymore. You, so. I think you can maybe purchase it or something. I think it does exist in some form, but yeah, I love money? that production. <laughs> yeah, I know you got to cha-ching. Spend money? <laughs> I remember when I saw that production, it had very much been billed as like, look, it's for charity and everyone will be, you know, probably on book and, you know, we've cast all these famous people. So like there was sort of the vibe of like, don't get your expectations too high. And then I saw it and I was like, this is basically like a Broadway, you know, like they're off book. (laughs) They're really good. Like I would watch this 10 times. So yeah, I did love that production. Sorry, I stole your answer. Well, we both said company though. Jeez. Now we have to think of something else. David, you got to pick another. Like, I, I've always wondered why there wasn't, like, a You're in Town adaptation. Like, wh- why those cool early 2000s musicals mm. that came post-Rent, Avenue right? Q. You know, Avenue, Avenue Q. Avenue I, Q, I, God bless it, like, does feel a little rooted right in its time, right? Like, I'm not sure Avenue Q uh-huh. would work anymore. But, like, yeah, the Avenue Q is certainly another one. Those, like, self-aware without sacrificing, you know, the power of a Broadway musical shows right like why why i guess because like movie musicals were very uncool in the two th- early 2000s like maybe that's why they never kind of got their shot at at cinema well that's a this, wasn't that the time of chicago and a- moulin rouge well, chicago is 2002 and i do think that yeah that revives interest in the more classic right you know like uh song and dance movie but yeah there's never been know. a book of mormon movie right am i wrong in there, there hasn't i feel like with a lot of those the, and this is the same with Wicked, right? Like the producers of the show get a little like edgy about like, well, when should we make the movie? Because won't that hurt the show? Yeah. Like won't people? And so then you have this weird problem where Rent, the movie comes out and they use the original cast and everyone's like way too old. And you're like, oh, this is like embarrassing. <laughs> and the same in the, the producer's movie, which just came a little too late. And everyone was like, eh, we, we're kind of over this. Like this isn't interesting anymore. And I think that's sort of that's what happened with Wicked, which has never been uh, movieified. It's probably going to happen to Hamilton, right? You know, a lot of, a lot of these huge hits just get kind of shelved, and they're waiting for some moment that maybe doesn't exist. Hence all the comments about Ben Platt's CGI face in Dear Evan Hansen. That's a great example. Like where like you could do a Dear Evan Hansen, but yeah, Ben Platt's too old now. But they are like. Well, well, we can't not do it with Ben Platt, right? He was the reason the show did so. Like, you know, they get they get caught in this weird logic thing of like, yeah. well, we've waited too long, but also we have to do the original. Like, I would love to see a film version of Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, which is like one of the great Broadway shows of the last decade. I don't know how you do that on in a movie, but I'd love to love someone to take a swing. That'd be cool. Spencer, what's yours? I'm going to give a total Philistine answer as someone who's not really too steeped in musical history um but the one that really i did love as a child was fan of the opera and i know it was made into <laughs> oh, a 2004 man. movie it was um, sure. dun, dun, i know dun, that dun, people dun, dun. hate it <laughs> you mean hate was the it? show or hate the movie gerard the butler was in that wasn't he am i making that gerard up? butler it's true i know that it ruined broadway or whatever um but 
uh, I think it's time for like a really like heavy metal goth version of yeah. it, uh, just to steamroll uh, culture. I could really see that happening. Okay. It was so disappointing that movie, especially since yeah. Joel Schumacher is a hack, but God rest his soul. He's, he's not with us anymore. <laughs> um, but, but he was always, you know, he made like the later Batman movies or whatever. You were like, at least the man understands camp and big production value. And then that movie, I remember I saw it. I just remember it feeling like a little, you know, dull and kind of perfunctory. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's sort of too bad. It, sh- it should have been, you know, 500% mm-hmm. over the top. That's the only type, only way you're going to do that, right? Yeah. 100%. Yep. That's what I want. All right. Well, that's it for our show. The review is produced by Kevin Townsend with help from AC Valdez. The executive producer of Atlantic Podcast is Claudine Abade, and our art is by Charlie La Mignon. I'm Spencer Kornhaber. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thanks, Sophie. Thanks, Spencer. Keep it cool.